Amen. Thankful for that song. What a blessing. I want to start out this evening just by thanking Pastor. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach. Uh, it's, not a, uh, it's not a task I take lightly, and I understand the, uh, uh, the, the importance of it, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. Uh, this evening, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And as you stand for the honor and reading of God's Word, I'm excited to be with you all. Can't wait to see what the summer has. And I ask that you bear with me. Obviously, Georgia is a lot prettier than Kansas is, which also means there's a lot more trees and everything else. And so my allergies are going to be adjusting here. So if I stop and get water, that's what it's for. So not sick, don't have the COVID or anything, but we're all, we're all good and ready to go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. And we're going to read the first 10 verses this evening. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom, all, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen. Let's pray this evening as we jump into the message. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the power that it holds, Lord, and I thank you for this passage. And I pray that you'd be with us over the next few minutes as we dive into uh, the Apostle Paul and what, is he, what he's teaching your church of Ephesus, Lord, but also what he has for us today. And Lord, I pray that you would calm my spirit, Lord. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, calm my nerves, allow me to speak with clarity. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with the time to come. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So this evening, as I am breaking down the passage and, I, and I'm looking at it, I have a question for you, and it, it's, kind of, it's kind of a downer right off the bat, so I'm just going to be honest with you. So when I ask you, we're, we're going somewhere with it, I promise, but I want you to think about America, I want you to think about today's Christianity in general, and think, of, and think with me about this question. How often in today's world do we see Christians, born-again believers, living as though they are dead in sin. And by, what I mean by that is this. God has called us to live a new life. God has called us to live a life that has changed after salvation. When salvation takes place, there should definitely be a change from the past to the present. And, and think with me about today's Christianity. How often do we see those who profess Christ uh, yet choose to live in a sinful way? I have a couple statistics I found that were, that were very interesting I want to share with you this evening. A recent study found that over 50% of Fundamental Baptists surveyed said they do not attend church more than once a month and usually only attend big services or holidays. Another report said that you are considered a faithful church attendee 
if you attend church three out of eight services, so three out of eight weeks. So if you've been to church twice in two months or three times in two months, um, you're doing great according to these standards. The lack of church attendance and unfaithfulness to church has led to decline in other areas, as you can imagine. Another study found that more Christian husbands are having affairs on their wives than ever before. Most Christian husbands, uh, uh, says one-third of Christian men, will have an affair by the age of 40. And of all Christian marriages in general, 25% will end in divorce. And the teenagers that are coming out of these homes, right now there's a 66% chance that, the, that those that are in high school, that have grown up in church their whole life, will leave God, will leave church when they hit the age of 18. And my question this evening is, why, why is this happening? Why, why do we see a decline in Christianity in, in almost all of these areas? And I want to present to you this evening this idea. We have Christians living today dead in sin, Monday through Saturday, when they've been called to live out the new life. When, when, when the Apostle Paul is talking here, and as we, we jump into this, I believe we'll see three things throughout this passage. The first thing is reconciliation. Reconciliation. Baker's definition defines reconciliation as this. It's a change or an exchange. Reconciliation involves a change in the relationship between God and man or man and man. It assumes there has been a breakdown in the relationship, but now there has been a change from a state of enmity and fragmentation to one of harmony and fellowship. Secondly, we'll see reproduction. And all we simply mean by that is when God touches the lives of the lost, when, when Jesus comes into to the lives of people, they do not stay the same. A new life has been reproduced in them. Amen. And lastly, I believe we see representation. Representation. And you and I are very familiar with that word with uh, elections around the corner. We want to have good representatives. And all that simply means is the action of speaking or acting on behalf of someone or the state of being so represented. We see that those who are touched by Jesus, those who are given new life, are now walking representations of Jesus' grace. So the first thing we need to understand in this passage is this. Grace has reconciled dead to the living. Grace has reconciled dead to the living. Look with me back at verse 1. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. Well, what does it mean to be dead in sins? Well, the first time death is ever recorded in the Bible is all the way back at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. And the Bible says that if they are to eat of the fruit, that death will come upon them. And, and obviously, uh, if you've attended Sunday school at any period of time or you know the first two chapters of your Bible, uh, you'll know that Adam and Eve did fall in sin and they did eat of the fruit. And what happened was not a physical death, but rather a complete separation from God. The, the separation that takes place between God and man. And that is what, what Paul is, is emphasizing here to the church of Ephesus, that we are all under this state of sin. The, 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 the definition of sin, to miss the mark, to fall short of the glory of God. It didn't matter their background. It didn't matter how long they had been in church. It didn't matter uh, how much money they had or what family they grew up with. They had all fallen short of the glory of God. Paul shows the lifestyle of a dead person, those who are dead in sin. In verse number two, it says, where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom, all, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He talks about them once walking in the course of this world. Paul is reminding them that they were once involved in the worship of these false gods. They were once involved in the drinking rituals and the immorality and the, the sins that plagued the nation at this time. The Bible talks about them fulfilling the desires of their flesh. Whatever they wanted to do, that's what they did. It didn't matter who it affected. They were just simply pursuing their own wants and their own interests. Paul wants the church of Ephesus to realize that they are dead apart from Christ. They have no hope of eternal life except for Christ. And the truth is, is that we, just like the church in Ephesus, were once all under sin. You and I pursued our own flesh. We pursued our own interest. We, we did what was right in our own eyes. We, we were involved in the immorality that was taking place. We were involved in the sin that was taking place in this world. And without God, there was a complete separation between God and man. There was a complete separation between us and God, and there was no relationship there. I, I, I want to illustrate what that is to you this evening. Think back with me to Mark chapter 5 and the story of the damsel. And, and if you remember with me, Jesus is teaching and he is preaching, and Jairus comes to Jesus and, and asks him to come back and to, to help his daughter who is sick, and, and Jesus begins to go ahead and follow him back to his home, and a servant comes and says, there's no need. You don't need to come any further. The daughter's dead. And we know this is true because the, the whalers and the family has already gathered. And, and we'll see later on that when he gets there, uh, they're already making preparations for the funeral. She's dead. Everyone knew it. And this girl, without Jesus coming and saving her and touching her life, is hopeless without God. She's hopeless. She's set apart. And just like you and I, we have no hope without the grace of God. You and I are separated without his new life coming in us. We are separated from the grace of God. Secondly, this, this evening, I believe we see that grace is now reproduced in us. Grace is now reproduced in us. Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. The Bible says here in verse 5 that we were dead in sins, and, we, and we've covered that. But if you go on further, the Bible says that he has quickened us together. And that word quickened simply means to make alive or to revive. It is, it is a change from one direction, from death to life. And if you continue reading, you notice in verse 6 that we are, we are made alive. And this one verse, if you don't get anything out of the rest of the message and nothing else speaks to you, leave with this evening with this, a gratitude for where you stand in your salvation. The Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places. And can I encourage you this evening, that's not some future promise. That is not something we hope will happen, that one day we'll be seated in heavenly places. But rather, legally right now, you are seated with the Father. When God sees you, if you've accepted his son, he does not see the sins of Noah. He does not see the future sins of Noah. Instead, he sees his son. He sees his blood. And you are seated in heavenly places. Something we cannot take for granted this evening. We are seated in heavenly places. 
The Bible goes on in verse 7, and, and it explains why. Why are we exceeded in, in heavenly places? What, what is kind of the next step? We're, we're saved, and now, now what is the next step? And the Bible says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, the reason he lifted us up, the reason we are lifted to sit in heavenly places and are secured in, in, in God the Father and Christ Jesus is this. That in the ages to come, people can look back to today and see God's grace in your life. That in 200, 300, 400 years, the generation that will be attending Canaan Baptist can look to this generation and see God's grace written throughout all the lives of its members. God's grace can be shown. Think back with me to Jarius' daughter. She was dead to the world. She had passed away. The servants knew it. Everyone around her knew it. But Jesus gives her life. The Bible says in Mark 5 and verse 38, And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. I find it interesting here that the one person who possessed the only real life in the entire room was the one who was getting mocked and scorned out of the building. The Bible continues on and talks about Jesus enters the room and reaches down and grabs this girl's hand and instantly she has stepped back into life. And can I encourage you this evening that if you've never experienced the new life that Jesus can give you, if you've never been seated in heavenly places and and you don't know for sure that, that you know where you would spend eternity, can I encourage you this evening to get that settled? It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And you say, well, no, it's a Sunday night crowd, and you're preaching on salvation. Uh, don't you know it's mostly church members? Well, I also know that Noah Metzinger for 10 years came in with a suit and tie on and was the pastor's kid and sang in the choir and door greeted at the back and helped teach a kid's class and for 10 years faked his salvation and, and did it for what man could give to him and the applause that he was getting for, for having it all put together. And so can I encourage you this evening, make sure that without, beyond, a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are 100% sure that you are saved and that you're seated in heavenly places this evening. Lastly, this evening, I believe we see that grace is now represented through us. Grace is now represented through us. The Bible says, for, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The Bible tells us here in verse 8 that we have absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. You and I cannot somehow earn our way to heaven. There's not some magic prayer that we say or some amount of deeds that we can do that will earn our way into heaven. But instead, we had absolutely nothing to do with it. And the reason that we had nothing to do with it is, if you jump down with me to verse 10, the Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The reason this verse is so powerful is this. Because you and I had nothing to do with our salvation, because we had to do absolutely nothing to be able to be seated in heavenly places this evening, we are now called to do good works. And, and I, don't want, I don't want this to 
get confused in any way. Your good works are not somehow sealing your salvation. Your good works are not somehow earning your way or protecting yourself or God's going to, you know, have his fingers, you know, tied behind his back and he's going to pull salvation's rug out from underneath you and you needed to have works. No, but rather out of a heart of gratitude for the salvation that he has given, you now live a life completely dedicated to serving him. That those around you can see the actions that you do and can see Christ. Think back with me one last time. Think back with me to Jairus' daughter. And Jesus walks in and, and, as we've already talked about, walks in and grabs her hand. And now she is once from death to life. She's now stepped into this new life. Can I encourage you with this thought this evening? That little girl's life was never the same. It was never the same. Think with me. She was no longer the little girl who was just going down the street to get, get some water for her family. No, when she was seen in public, she was seen as the girl that Jesus touched. When she sat in the yard and played with her friends, she was not just some other girl. No, she was the girl that Jesus touched. Her life was changed because Jesus came into contact with her and everyone around it for the rest of her life would know it. Her life had a completely different change in direction. And just like in the book of Ephesians, and just like in, in, in Mark here talking about uh, Jairus' daughter, you and I are called to live out a life of good works, a life that is devoted to Christ so that those around us can see the change that has taken place. Think with me this evening about uh, your speech. And I know this is an area that I struggle with personally. Your speech identifies you with what man you are choosing to live in that day. If the, if the speech is crude and it is rude and it is hateful and it, is, and it changes depending on where you're at and if you're in church it's one way but in the workplace it's different, you are choosing to live in a different man when you're there. You're choosing intentionally to put off the new man and to go back to the old man where it was. If your words to your, to your wife, to your children are not loving words and they're not guiding and mentoring, we are choosing to go back to the old way. We're choosing to go back to the old man. The music that we listen to, the things we allow ourselves to intake throughout any given week, show to the world what kind of man we are choosing to live in. They show the type of life that we choose to live. It, uh, Pastor talked about it this morning, but, but looking and seeing the faithfulness uh, of its believers, that it's not, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. God did not call us just to be Sunday morning Christians. And when your neighbor drives by your house on a Sunday evening or on a Sunday afternoon or Wednesday night or Saturday morning for outreach and they see that your car is parked in the parking lot, they don't see a person completely devoted to serving Christ. They don't see a person who's given up the old man and has given everything to follow Christ in the new way. I know it's kind of a touchy subject uh, in today's culture, but the way that we dress, the way that we represent ourselves shows to the world what, the way that we're trying to live, the, the, that who we're serving. The things we watch, the things we allow into our homes, whatever is allowed on the TV through movies and entertainment, and I don't have a problem with those kind of things, but if it's not filtered through God's word, if there's not some sort of guide that is protecting us from sliding back into the old paths and the old ways that we came out of, uh, there may be some things there that need to change. As men, if, if there's uh, secret browsers and things that have to be cleared out because we're choosing to live the old man's life when it's convenient for us, uh, there may be a sign that some things need to change. And ultimately, 
after studying it out, I found one common thing, and it's this. Oftentimes, it's easy for us to live the new Christian life when it's convenient. When it's convenient. Convenient Christianity is what oftentimes we are, we are caught up in. If it's convenient to live out the life of the new man, if it's convenient to, to speak lovingly, if it's convenient to be at church, if it's convenient to listen to the right kind of music, if it's convenient to wear what I want, the, the list goes on and on, apply it to whatever area you would like. Oftentimes, we base what man we choose to live in on how convenient it is for us at any given moment. And this evening, I don't know, I've been here for all of two days, and I don't get the spirit from the church at all. And so this evening, you may be sitting there and be like, I'm doing great in all those areas. And I would say, congratulations, because you're doing better than I am. But maybe this evening, it's just an encouragement to be careful that at any moment, there's that temptation to slide back and to fall back into the ways of the old man. It's so easy. It's so easy to be on fire for God and in a just span of a couple hours, switch your focus completely and go back to where we came from. And so this evening, I just want to encourage you with this. Let's return to his word. Let's get in his word faithfully every single day. Let's return to our prayer life. Let's commit to having a life that is full of the grace of God, represented to everyone around us. God's grace has reconciled us from death to life. This new life has been given to us freely only by the grace of God. And because of that grace, we are now called to live out good works so that same grace that was given to us can now be shown to others. So this evening as we go our separate ways, let's be those who show God's grace to Covington, Georgia, so that way Canaan Baptist Church is known as a church that is full of members who are on fire for God and are full of God's grace and long to show it to others. Let's pray this evening. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to preach, Lord. I pray that it was a blessing. I pray that you'd allow us to be those who choose to live the life of the new man, Lord, those who choose to live out uh, your way, even when it's hard, even when it's not convenient, and allow us to do that as we go our separate ways. We pray all this thing in Jesus' name. Amen.